Well, good morning. It's good to see you. I hope you had a good week. And I hope, man, there's a lot of rain, huh? I just, I just, I know there's some people that have been affected by floods and people in this church. And uh, I just hope that you're all right and that, um, yeah, that sun is coming. And it's, it's amazing. There's opportunities right in front of us to help those in our community that are being affected in a real way, right? It's one thing to say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling right now. But when you have water going through your house, that's a different story. Um, that's a different struggle, right? So, um, man, I just hope you're all well. Well, I get to continue this morning in our message series, and I'm just really excited. I want to encourage you to sit on the edge of your seat this morning because I believe there's an impartation and I believe that God wants to speak to us um, as he already is. So um, yeah, just hang with us here, but I'm, I'm excited for the word. How many parents or how many of you are parents? Would you just raise your hand so I can see really who I'm? Yeah, I love being a parent. It's probably, um, being a husband's really cool and it's the greatest thing in the world, but being a parent is like equally as cool, but in a totally different way. Um, and being a parent, you've, you learn, aren't you grateful that life is all about seasons as a parent, right? And because usually um, when it seasons, it means the hard times are probably not going to last forever. And how many of you can say, amen? How many of you could say, bring on spring, right? Woohoo! You know, we are in a really fun season with all of our kids. Um, four boys, lots of fun, lots of sports, lots of wrestling. Um, but we are in a, a, in a special fun season. I'll just tell you this. You're, if you are a son or a daughter this morning, you're lucky you're not my son or a daughter because you don't get to be the object of my sermon lessons very often. Um, I have a friend who was a pastor's kid. He goes, hey, you know, when my dad was a pastor, you know, we made this agreement that he would never use us as their sermon illustrations. And I said, yeah, I haven't made that agreement with my kids yet. That's why we have kids class, right? So they get out of here um, so they don't have to listen. But I, I love to talk about my kids. And we are in a really fun season with our four-year-old. He is four, and he's our youngest. And I don't know if any of you have four-year-olds, but they're kind of an interesting um, part of their journey because it's where you begin to see a lot of their personality start to really show forth, right? Because it's one thing as a baby, you're like, I don't really know what you're going to be, but at four, you can kind of see glimpses. And, and our four-year-old is unique. Um, he's special. And about a month ago, he started doing this thing. And we still don't know where it came from, but we thought it was going to be just like a daily thing, like, well, this will end tomorrow. And he just out of the blue decided that he was going to stop eating anything in this world that didn't make him big and strong. And so you're thinking, oh, that's, that's cute. Our son was a self-appointed vegetarian for the first four, three years and 364 days of his life. He would not eat meat. He would not touch meat. I am a meat eater, um, and so I don't know really where he got it from. Like I say, it was self-appointed. But he just decided, like, all of a sudden, I'm only going to eat things that make me big and strong. And so what that means for him 
is it means, I mean, a total diet change for the life of a four-year-old. We're talking, do, well, do hamburgers make me big and strong? Well, yes. Doesn't matter that it came from a cow. He is over being a vegetarian and on to being big and strong. So much so for the fact the kid won't eat birthday cake at birthday parties anymore. Because sugar not only gives you cavities, but it does not make you, might make you big, it does not make you big and strong. He went over to my mom's and she, they love to have him because he just loves to like act like the king and my mom serves him and she's amazing. But she made him cookies and he's like, no, thank you, they don't make me big and strong. You know, and he's four years old, so he hasn't really worked on his manners, so it's just like, you know, no, I don't want candy, I don't want cookies, um, I don't want anything that is going to deter, and it's so funny, because in the cute four-year-old fashion, you know, where you're like, you know, when he makes a good choice, we're like, man, you're, you look bigger, and he's like, I know. I know, and, and I don't know how, much, how long this is going to last, but as a, as a parent, we're like, we're going to ride that horse until the cows come home. And it's really interesting, and it's really funny, and so, um, you know, we got to work on him, and hey, if someone offers you something politely, but I mean, he's not eating donuts, he's not eating anything um, that a normal four-year-old would eat, and uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty fun. But I was thinking about my son and thinking about what we've been talking about as church. We've been talking about sustaining an encounter with God, right? It's one thing to have an encounter, right? We can look back over our own lives, over reading your Bible, that people had encounters with God. But it's one thing to have an encounter. It's another thing to live a lifestyle based off encounters, where you are constantly meeting with God in your life. And, and I believe that there is, there is something that God wants to do in our hearts today where he wants to enable you to feed yourself with things that are going to cause you to constantly grow in your spiritual life and in your spiritual walk. Okay, and that there is, a, as you are growing, obviously there is going to be an attention to feed your spirit with things that are going to cause you to grow, but then also there's going to be that natural thing that happens where you will not start feeding yourself spiritually with things that are going to uh, distract you from your growth. And so last week, if you were here, our, one of our main scriptures was out of Galatians, and I want to read it again because I just, uh, I just believe it's what God wants to do. And this is Paul. And so Paul, it's kind of unfair. Um, it's kind of unfair. We might have a wrong PowerPoint this morning. So we might not have a PowerPoint. But it's kind of unfair that um, we look at Paul and he is a pastor. And so sometimes you expect a guy like Paul, well, he had to do this, right? Because that was his job as the pastor is he had to like, like people, how do you, right? Well, he didn't have to do anything, but luckily he did. And so he's writing to the church of Galatians, and he says this. He says, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Okay? He says, I labor in birth. Right? I've never given birth, but I know what it is to labor. Right? To labor, it requires time, it requires effort, it requires work. So he's saying, hey, I'm working really hard 
And he's talking to adults, right? So I'm not going to call you little children because that would just be really weird. But he says, hey, my little children, I'm laboring with the birth of childbirth pains until Christ is formed in you. I love how the message states, it says, until Christ is visible in you. Okay, so he is, he is, there's a big emphasis here on the laboring part, to mature crowd. Okay, he is talking not to unbelievers. Okay, he is talking to probably much like a room that exists today of people who mostly have encountered Jesus, who have at least know that God is real, God is good, and God wants to change their lives. So he's speaking to these people, a mature person, and he's saying, hey, I want to do my part as a fellow son, son or daughter, brother or sister in Christ. I want to do my part to make sure that Christ is formed in your life. And again, try to take the pastor hat off for a minute, right? Because it's not Paul's job to like make sure he is doing this because there is a care and there is a compassion to see the people that he has invested in to mature in their relationship with Jesus. Okay, so... Um, so he's speaking, I'd say, to Christians, right? And he's talking to Christians who have tasted that God is good. How many of you know this morning God is good? Okay, he is good. Okay, we've experienced his goodness, but these people have gotten into some things. They have gone back to their sin. They have gone back to their habits. They have gone back to believing things that God has not put on them. Okay, and he's saying, hey, I'm coming. I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to tell you, ship you know, shape up or ship out. He says, no, I'm going to labor with you. I'm not just going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to walk with you until we see Christ visible in your life. How do you know there's a big difference between just telling someone they're wrong and saying, hey, I'm willing to walk with you to see more of Christ grow in your life. Okay, big difference. So, so, so Paul's talking to them about this and um, Here, we're talking about encountering God over and over again. Like, I don't want my Christian life to be a result of what God did in me 20 years ago. Are you with me? Okay, I want my Christian life to be made up of what God has done, but what also God is doing in my life today. And so we talk about sustaining encounters. I think about the, the word transformation. If we are going to be a people who have sustained encounters with the presence of God, we have to be a people that are open to the process of transformation being active in our hearts. Okay, transformation, that's a, that's a big word. Okay, if, if you think about that word, it's no longer just a churchy word. Okay, years ago, the word transformation had a lot to do with church. But the word transformation is one of the most controversial words in our culture today. Okay, the word to transform means this. It means a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. Listen, we are not talking about slapping some lipstick on a pig and calling it pretty. Okay, we are not talking about changing the outward appearance of something and saying, oh, it's transformed. No, that's not what transform means. Okay, that's just called, you know, putting lipstick on a pig. 
But transformation, if you read the definition, transformation has everything to do with the altering of the DNA. Okay, and I'm not a scientist. In fact, I, I didn't really like science in class. But DNA is what makes up you, right? DNA is what we could find at the core of who we are. Okay, so it's the altering of the foundational core of who we are. Okay, we have a spiritual DNA much like we have a physical DNA. So to transform, transform something, it means to alter its DNA. Listen, one of the biggest issues that we see and that I hear as a parent is the whole issue about identity. And as a parent of four sons, I want my sons to understand who they are in Christ. But there is, an ex, there is a whole battle that is raging for kids to understand your identity and walking in your identity. And we see this in extreme forms. Again, in extreme forms and maybe gender confusion, gender altercation, right? Those are probably the extreme cases where we're seeing this identity issue. But the issue with transformation, if we're talking about being transformed this morning, it is an issue of identity. This morning, you may or most of you are not struggling with the extreme issues of gender altercation. Okay, But we are all struggling with the idea of are we really walking in who God has called us to walk in. Okay, You catch me this morning? Oh, we, we all struggle with that. And here's what I know. If there is not a clear vision, okay, that's a big church word. If there's not a clear vision of who we are in our identity in Jesus Christ, then we will walk a lifetime searching to find one's true self, really leading a life in failed attempts of trying to find our identity in something that cannot give us our true identity. So transformation. Listen, transformation this morning is part of God's plan for your life. Okay? You want to know what it means to be a Christian? I'm going to tell you in a nutshell. It means to be transformed into the image of Jesus. Well, that, that sounds hard. <laughs> yeah. Impossible without the grace of Jesus. But transformation is part of God's plan for your life. You know, I believe um, there's a big difference this morning. And we, if you've been in church, you've, you've probably heard this. I've probably said it a hundred different times. But there's a big difference between come to God just as you are and God wants you to stay right where you are. Where you are. How many of you know there's a big difference between those two things? Listen, I want to tell you, if this is your first time in church, if this is your first time in this church, if you are new to Jesus, I want to tell you that God wants you to come to him 100% as you are right now. Okay? Full of whatever you're full of. <laughs> full of your shame, full of pain. Maybe you have sin in your life. I want to tell you that those things are not reasons to keep you from experiencing the reality of Jesus. Okay, there is, a, there is a disconnect in some churches that say, before you come through our doors, you got to get cleaned up. Well, guess what? That's the whole point of Jesus. Right? I, you cannot expect a non-Christian to get cleaned up before they encounter the one who can ultimately clean everything up in their life. Okay? 
It's impossible. It is impossible. So I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you are, if you are, yeah, I know Jesus, I want to encourage you to come to God just as you are. Because I have met too many people that do not complete the process of transformation in their heart because they wait for God to use them until all their issues in their heart are are figured out. Well, guess what? When all your issues in your heart are figured up, you'll be with Jesus in heaven. (laughs) Okay? Don't allow your weakness to keep you from God using you today. Okay? But I want to tell you this. If you are new to the church, if this is your first time, second time, if you're new to Jesus, I want to encourage you that the life that you have lived up to this point, that there is a new reality and there is a new promise and there is a new hope. And if you will stick with Jesus, I promise you that your life lived from now until your tomorrows will be greater than anything you've experienced in the past. You know, I had a debate about, a debate, that's about what it was. I had a debate um, about maybe six months ago, maybe a little longer with someone, and they, they know I'm a pastor, and they said, why would a loving God who created me want me to change? If he created me, why didn't he just create me how he wanted me to be? It's a good question, <laughs> That's a great question, isn't it? It's like, oh boy. Listen, I want to tell you this morning that God does not want to change how he created you. But what he wants to do is he wants to open your eyes to how he created you in his image. Listen, how you've walked up into that point is not how God has created you to be. There is an untapped potential. There's an untapped life. There's an untapped call on your life that God wants you to walk in, and it will only be found as you find that identity in him. Listen, you will not find, you will not be made alive by walking in your fleshly nature. You will live your life Always looking for more. So here's a few things about transformation. Okay, transformation, number one, only happens when you commit to grow. Okay, there has to be a commitment in your life that says, I want to grow. How many of you know another word for grow? Change. There will only be transformation in your life when you change. I've heard it said about other churches in California, in the east side, maybe in Canada, that people hate change. Not, not in Maple Valley, right? But they say people hate change. Listen, our change or our growing has everything to do with us discerning what God is speaking to us at that time. Okay? Why do people hate change? Because if I, if I look at someone that I would say has a life that probably isn't the greatest, I think they probably want to change, right? People don't like to be addicted, right? If you talk to someone that struggles with abuse, substance abuse, they, they know they're, they want to change. But number one, they don't know how to change. And number two, think about why Christians don't change, right? And I think one of the reasons is 
we're not discerning the voice of God and what he's doing around us at that time that's calling them to a deeper level, and so they never get a vision to change, right? They don't hear God's voice, and so there's no reason for them to change. Listen, this morning, can you get a glimpse for your life that would jumpstart an encounter with God that requires transformation? Listen, if you could see what God sees about your future, you would say, man, I got to get to a different place because there's no way I can handle now what God has for me in my tomorrows. Listen, that's why we need transformation. Number B, transformation is a result of God's grace. Okay, Ephesians 2 Verse 6 says, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, I don't have that on my scripture. Okay, that's a foundational scripture. Listen, rules will not transform you. Logic will not transform you. Can I just say this this morning? That when we talk about transformation, God does not have a set timeline that says it goes A, it goes B, it goes C. Okay, the only timelines that we put on ourselves are things that other humans have put on ourselves or what we have put on ourselves. There is no timeline for transformation in the kingdom of God other than what God has spoke to you and God's process of growth in your life. Okay, man sets timelines. God reveals from grace to grace. Listen, you want to change in your life and get a revelation of God's grace. We talked about grace earlier this morning. You know, I was thinking about why is it in my life that I, I stop myself short of God's grace? I feel like God wants me to do something, but I never walk in it. Have you ever done that? And I think, well, man, where was God's grace for that? And most of the time, guess what? God's grace was all over the situation. I allowed my fear, I allowed my unwillingness, I allowed my doubt to stop short the grace of God in my life for that situation. I didn't even tap into it because of fear. Okay, I love how John 1.16, this is, this is John the Baptist speaking, and he says, uh, John bore witness about him and cried out, speaking of Jesus, he says, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. In verse 16, for from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. Come on, say grace upon grace. Okay, say it again. Grace upon grace. Listen, there is grace for you and then there is grace Upon grace. The Amplified goes on and it says it this way. It says, John testified about him and he has cried out, testifying officially for the record. This was of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank and he has priority over me because he existed before me. For out of his fullness, the abundance of his grace and truth, we all have received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. 
Listen, that is what is available to you as you walk with God in the process of transformation in your life. Listen, you may not have enough grace for the thing that God has called you to deal with in a year, but I promise you if you continue to call on the grace of God, you will have that grace when that time comes. Listen, if things in your life this morning seems impossible, there is God's grace. If there is things in your marriage, God's grace is enough. Would you walk into what the Bible says of grace upon grace? You know, I think a lot about why don't we see transformation in people's life, right? As a pastor, as a father, uh, as, as a Christian, You know, I I think one of the reasons that we see people stop transforming year after year is I think there's been a big disconnect in between a Christian, or if I could say it this morning, a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus. Okay, there's a big disconnect between what our society says, I'm a Christian, or even a follower of Jesus, and I am a disciple of Jesus. Listen, in Mark 1.16, this is Jesus, and this is when he called his first disciples. And I want you to catch this this morning. He says, as Jesus was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Peter and Andrew, Simon's brother, they were casting a net in the sea, because they were fishermen, hello, and Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets to follow him. Listen, to follow means this. It means to absorb, to follow. Okay, I would add words. When I'm talking about a follower, it means to be a groupie. Right? Have you ever seen a groupie of like a band? And all they do is they follow what the band is doing, right? They have nothing to do with the band, but they're just like following the way. Listen, God has called us to be followers of him, but it is more than absorbing what he's doing, saying amen, cheering, attending church on Sunday, even tithing, even serving. Listen, there is a season for following. You hear me? There is a season where you just put your head down and you are new to the Lord and you are just following. But there comes a point that God says, your season of following is over. I want you to become a disciple. Listen, there is a season for following, but a prolonged season of following without a season of fishing will cause you to stop the process of transformation in your life. Listen, there is nothing wrong with being a follower of Christ, but there is a point where God has called his followers to become disciple makers. You hear me this morning? I believe that as a church, we're entering a season where God wants to take many of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, and I believe he would say, the season of just being a follower is over. Because there is a harvest that is ripe, but there is not workers to disciple the harvest. There is this transformation that God wants to do in your heart today that would keep you from being a follower only, one who absorbs, one who just follows the cloud, one who just follows the presence, to being one who leads others into the presence of God. 
I love how um, the Passion Translations, many times I'll, I'll read the Passion Translation because I just think there's some words in there that, that are really cool. Um, and it says this, the same scripture out of uh, chapter, uh, verse 17. Jesus says to them, come follow me and I will transform you into men who catch people instead of fish. Listen, there is a transformation that God wants to do in your hearts today that you would come here on Sunday mornings and that you wouldn't just come to get into the presence of God, but you would realize that God wants you to be one who will begin to disciple others, who would be one who would say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. There's something that God wants to do. I'm just about done this morning. I think one of the reasons, as a, as, as a pastor, I think one of the reasons that maybe I don't see transformation in my own life, or I'll speak to me, or maybe why I don't see transformation in people's life is I think that there's never this connect between being just a follower and then being one who is called to lead others to Christ, right? There is a, um, a self-absorption, you could say, where it becomes all about you, and you can never get your eyes on about those who are around you. You know, I'm not a very good fisherman. I'm terrible, actually. And I, w I wish I was better because my boys really like to fish. And here's the good thing. I have a lot of friends that are fishermen. And they're really good. And so they take my kids and they love it. And I do other stuff with my kids. But one of the things about, about being a good fisherman is... You know the type of fish that you're looking for, and you do everything you can do to attract that fish so that you can catch it. And there is a spiritual element that God wants to do in our hearts that he would begin to start teaching us, us and showing us how to attract those in our life and how to be deliberate about going after those who need to be discipled. I was reading Hebrews, um, the book of Hebrews, about a month ago, and, and I came across this passage that I've read a hundred times, and um, the writer, it's in, in chapter 5 and verse 12 through 14, and I'm, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, but he's, he's again talking to Christians, and he says this, for, for though by this time you ought to be teachers by now. Because of the time you have had to learn these truths. You know, I, I think of my own life, and I think of there's things where God would say, Justin, you don't think you have it in you. But I have it in you. I think there's many of us in this room that God would say, you have more than you think you have. Would you just trust me? The scripture goes on and it says you actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. You've come to continually be in need of milk and not solid food. Listen, if you have been walking with God for a long time, I want to encourage you to start feeding others 
what God has fed in you. And to resist the lie of the enemy that would say, you don't have what it takes. Because I'm telling you this morning, you have what it takes. If you know me at all, I'm kind of a a little bit of a rule follower. I really believe um, that you get favor on your life by obeying. (laughs) That's kind of a a weird concept. Um, but I, but I believe that. <laughs> wait, wait, you get, you, you know, you get blessings from God by obeying? Yeah, you sure do. I'm kind of a, I know some people that are not for the local church. I am for the local church. I think this is the greatest thing going for the nation of America right here. I think that God's plan is to advance his kingdom using you, using the local church. So I'm a local church boy. Um, some people like to trash the local church. I don't like to do that. Um, I love that we gather. I look at my own life and I, I think there's times that I probably don't need to listen to another sermon, right? And that sounds really awkward coming from a pastor because that's like what you do. Yeah, <laughs> you give sermons. But I don't, I don't think I need another sermon in my life. Why? Well, because I've been in church for almost 39 years and I've heard a lot of sermons. I think what I need in my life is I need to realize that there's some transformation that I've stinted in my own life because I have not become a disciple of Jesus. I've strictly followed for the next sermon. And God says, would you switch your focus? You know, I think there's a lot of people, and I'm not going to say in this room, you, you figure it out, but... I think a lot of Christians who would call themselves followers, they don't, they don't need another sermon. They don't need to go to another church service. We need to allow the words of Jesus that says, follow me and I will make you a disciple. And again, I believe that we are entering a season as a, of a, as a church that God is saying, you don't think you can make disciples, but you rely on my grace and you sit back and you watch what I will do through you. Would you stand up with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? I want to I pray for a couple different people today, a couple different groups of people. And again, if I want to encourage you to keep being here on Sunday mornings because we're just beginning um, what I believe is, is what God has for us. You'll hear about on the vision meeting and just the theme of what God spoke to our hearts and believe that there is a new season. But I believe with everything within me that God is asking two things of us today. The first thing, and I, and I, I don't know in this room, but if you have never responded to the call of Jesus in your life, if you have never said, I'm going to follow Jesus, I believe this morning that today can be the day that you can begin a process of transformation for your life that you will never regret. Okay, and many of us maybe have made that decision to follow Jesus. So this morning, just in, in, in this space, I want to just take a moment. If you have never received Jesus and said, I'm following him, would you just raise your hand? This morning, and again, I don't know in this room. Okay, awesome. Number two, 
I believe that this is, this is probably where most of us are at this morning. But I believe that God is asking us to say yes. Would you say yes to him that he has permission to continue to transform you from not just following Jesus, but to be one that leads others to Jesus. And again, I'm not talking about evangelism necessarily. I'm talking about going through life thinking about more than just yourself, right? I'm talking about having eyes to see the broken and the hurting in the ones who need a mentor, who need to be discipled. How many of you can say, man, I, I want to be one who disciples others, yeah? I want to be one who doesn't just follow in the sense of, God, I just got to... But God, I want to keep that process of growth happening in my life. I'm just going to open my heart to you. If that's you this morning, we just posture your hearts before God. I'm going to pray. Because I believe as as we say yes to what God is saying to us and saying to you, he's going to begin that process in you. And he will take you on a journey that will transform what you know about him. It'll transform what you think about his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today, God, that you want to transform us. Father, and for many of us, we've said, well, I've been transformed. But Father, I ask today that you would transform our thinking. Father, I don't want to be known as just a Christian or just one who follows what you're doing. But Father, we want to be a church that knows how to disciple others. God, we want to be a church that knows how to not just follow you, but follow you to bring others with us. Father, would you forgive us for where we've just been focused on ourselves? Yeah, I know that seems vague, God. But God, forgive us for where we've only been focused on our personal growth. And we failed to recognize that you've called us, God, to be, be a part of the feeding process in other people's lives. Father, I pray that there would be a work done by your spirit today. God, that it would go so deep. Father, that a revelation of your kingdom would so go so deep in us this morning. Father, that it would change the way we think, the way we walk. God, and the way we carry ourselves. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we sing this chorus? And then we're going to dismiss. But come on, let's respond to God this morning. strong.